0: with our study in the book of John. And we're in the middle of chapter 11, and the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and say, well, that's not very much of a Christmas uh, theme, and yet, uh, the Lord willing, next Sunday, uh, we'll have more of a Christmas message from the book of John, but uh, uh, we're going to take a little break in our... uh, verse-by-verse study next week, but then this morning we want to continue to look at the events that took place around the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And This morning we want to look at come to the Master. In our last study, uh, we noted some responses to the trial of losing loved ones. Many times uh, this time of the year, when our loved ones who've gone on, have passed away, or gone to heaven, and they're no longer with us, and many times it's a kind of a sad time we think of, you know, it would be nice to be with them again. But we've talked a little bit about how we respond. And as we said, there are various ways to respond to the loss of a loved one. And that's what we have here in John chapter 11, where some Sisters love uh, lost their brother to death. But you know, there are other serious trials that come in our lives as well. Maybe financial trials. Uh, It may be a disease or sickness. It may be the loss of a job or could be persecution from those who don't want anything to do with God or our faith in Him. And there are times when family members don't get along. Can you believe that? Sometimes family members don't get along, and as a result, there's anger, there's bitterness. They're not only angry and bitter toward one another, but they're angry and bitter toward God. And yet the Lord has in control of our is in control of our difficult situations, and He's got many lessons to teach us if we would just learn to trust Him. Now, there are many sad examples of how we as Christians should not respond when these trials come into our lives. The Bible gives us another option. Rather than getting angry and withdrawing from the Lord, we can draw near to Him in submission to His sovereignty and know that He cares for us. It's okay to draw near to God when tears of grief and confusion are in our lives. The main thing is to draw near with a submissive heart, trusting in his love and his care for us. Now, Mary, the mother, or the sister, excuse me, of Martha, did that when Jesus came to Bethany after the death of their brother Lazarus. Martha first went to the Lord as he came to the village, yet Mary stayed in the house, we read. And then after her interview with Jesus, Martha came and whispered to Mary, as we saw in verse 28, the Master is come and calleth for thee. Mary did not say, oh, I'm too angry right now. I don't want to talk to Him. That's the response we find sometimes. People, when they get upset about the situation, I don't want to talk to Him. I'm angry. Rather, she did what we should do in our times of trouble. She got up quickly. She went to Jesus, it says in verse 29, and she fell at his feet, weeping, and repeated what Martha had said in verse 32 there, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. The significant thing is that Jesus did not rebuke her for her tears or her lack of faith. Rather, we read in the shortest verse in the English Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. Now, commentators differ in interpreting Jesus' emotions here, as I'll explain, but I believe that John wants us to see Christ's compassion here for these sisters in their time of loss. This story pictures what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so I believe our text here teaches us the call and compassion of the Master and how it should draw us near to Him in our time of trial. You know, in difficult times, John wants us personally to apply Martha's words in verse 28. The master is come and calleth for thee. Notice, first of all, come to the master to learn. Come to the master to learn. Now, as we're going to come to the master to learn something, that means we have to, first of all, draw near to him. Martha did not say, as she easily could have said, you know, Jesus is here, he's calling for you. No, she says, the master is here. Jesus, the master, or the teacher, or the instructor, par excellence, and his most effective. his most effective lessons are often when we're hurting the most. We all tend to be rather self-sufficient. You know, many years ago, uh, there was a TV commercial, I can't remember what even was it advertising, but a mother was trying to give some advice to her young daughter, and the daughter would say in frustration, Mother, please, I'd rather do it myself. Isn't that way we are sometimes? I'd rather do it myself. We think we can do things by ourselves, without God's help. But then the trials hit, and we realize the truth of Jesus' words, From John 15 and verse 5, it says, Without me ye can do nothing. It's at these overwhelming times we learn the most about Christ's all-sufficiency. Someone wrote, Until I've learned to trust, I never learned to pray. And I did not learn to fully trust till sorrows came my way. Until I felt my weakness, His strength I never knew, nor dreamed till I was stricken that He could see me through. Who deepest drinks of sorrow drinks deepest, too, of grace. He sends the storm so he himself can be our hiding place. His heart that seeks our highest good knows well when, we, when things annoy. We would not long for heaven if earth held only joy. And so in a time of trials or even grief, realize that you're enrolled in the school of Christ that He has given you an opportunity to learn about His all-sufficiency. So come to the Master to learn. Draw near to Him. Secondly, our needs determine His lessons. Martha was a kind of take-charge person. She was one that wanted to get things done. She was one who was busy getting the meal prepared when Jesus visited their home on one occasion. And while her sister, Mary, sat at Jesus' feet listening to Him teach. And she scolded the Lord on that occasion because he didn't tell Mary to get up and help her. The Lord gently rebuked Martha for being worried and bothered about so many things while Mary had chosen the better part. But here in John 11, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she got up and went to him and Jesus dealt with her on a doctrinal level, claiming to be the resurrection and the life and the Challenging verse there in verse 26, Believest thou this? He knew that she needed this doctrinal foundation so that she could glorify Him in in this time of trial. And when Mary fell at Jesus' feet in tears, He sympathized with her and wept without any discussion of biblical truth. He knew that she needed to feel compassion and she would later... Glorify him because she entered in. He entered into her sorrow with her. I think there are a couple of applications that we can make here. First of all, recognize the Lord always deals with you according to your personality to teach you what you need to know to grow in every trial. You know, we as parents we know uh, about this when we have uh, more than one child, especially. Uh, Each child kind of has their own personality, don't they? And so we sometimes deal with them differently than we would uh, uh, in some ways. They're kind of wired differently. They, They learn differently. Some of them learn easily, and some of them you have to really just stay with them. We had one of those children who you just had to keep with her all the time. The master does that with his children. He tutors us individually in a way that we can best learn the lessons. But we need to try to understand, and we do this through prayer and through the Word of God, what does the Master want me to learn through this trial that I'm going through? Recognize the Lord deals with us according to our personalities. Secondly, we should be sensitive to the unique personalities of others when we try to comfort or help them in difficult situations. You know, some people need a word of encouragement. Some people don't need any words. They just need your presence. You just, they just need you to be with them and maybe cry with them. In other words, there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to helping others in their time of need. So we need sensitivity and wisdom, and we need to pray and ask God to help us to have that when we come to people and help them. For us who trust Jesus Christ as our master in times of trial, we have to know him. And the more we know who he is, the easier it is to trust him. And so John shows us, secondly, come to the master for help. This chapter shows us both Jesus' humanity and his deity. We see his humanity very plainly in verses 34 and 35, where Jesus asks the location of the tomb and then he weeps and we see his deity earlier in the chapter when he knows that Lazarus is dead and he knows he's going to raise him from the dead. And then when he tells Martha that he is the resurrection and the life and whosoever believeth in him will live even if he dies and will never die. Came across this very recently. It kind of explains this in a, in a, in a tremendous way, I think. It's been observed that by the side of every humiliation connected with the humanity of the Messiah, the glory of his divinity was also made to shine forth. The coincidences are manifested undesigned on the part of the evangelic writers, and hence all the more striking. Thus, if he was born of a humble maiden of Nazareth, an angel announced his birth, If the infant Savior was cradled in a manger, the shining host of heaven hymned his advent. And so afterwards, if he hungered and was tempted in the wilderness, angels ministered to him, even as an angel strengthened him in the agony of the garden. If he submitted to baptism, the voice and the vision from heaven attested to his sonship. If enemies threatened, he could miraculously pass through them. And if the Jews assailed, there was a voice of God to glorify him. And if he was nailed to the cross, the sun scraped his brightness and earth quaked. If he was laid in a tomb, angels kept watch and heralded his rising. You see, the fact that Jesus is fully man means that he can identify and sympathize with your problems this morning. The fact that he is fully God means that He is sovereign overall. He can help with your problems. Of course, the God who made us completely understands us. He's full of compassion toward us. But Jesus' humanity especially qualifies Him to sympathize with us. Now, there are three aspects of Jesus' humanity, I think, that come, come through our text this morning. Notice, first of all, Jesus experienced grief and deep feelings. Isaiah 53 and verse 3 prophesied that Jesus would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The fact that Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus shows that whatever our grief may be, Jesus knows it and he answers into it with us. I think in noting Mary's grief along with the more token weeping of the other mourners, It says, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now the word groan there seems to bother some so-called Bible translators and they're troubled with it. Not just knowing quite how to take the Lord's response. But the word has the sense of an emotional reaction. Usually when something troubles me from time to time, I sigh. Ever do that? And my wife sometimes uh, knows that uh, when I sigh, and she'll even say, you're sighing again. I recently read that sighing was healthy because it helps you clear your lungs. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, okay? (laughs) But the word here, groaned, has a sense of an emotional reaction, usually with a release of the breath. It can range from a sigh to a snort. Well, I hope we don't snort, but uh, I don't believe Jesus was snorting, but he certainly could have been sighing. Jesus, in absorbing the grief of his friends, I think, uttered a deep sigh now what may be in view in contrast between deity and humanity in his deity he had delayed his arrival knowing that he would resurrect lazarus to the glory but yet in his humanity he was witnessing firsthand the grief which two of his dearest friends were suffering because of his delay now it also says here there's another verb here in verse 33 it says he was troubled it's also used as Jesus contemplates his impending death. We'll find in John chapter 12 and then also in chapter 13. And so perhaps Jesus is deeply moved by the sister's grief and by the, what he knows will happen after he raises Lazarus. The expression used here implies that he now voluntarily and deliberately accepts and makes his own the emotion and the experience from which it is his purpose to deliver them. And so, some have difficulty determining the certainty of exact meanings of John's word. We can know that our Savior was not an unemotional person. Even though he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus, it didn't prevent him, didn't keep him from entering into the sister's grief. He experienced deep feelings and grief just as we do. And even though he knows that one day he's going to wipe away all tears, He still sympathizes with us in our sorrows. So Jesus experienced grief and deep feelings. Secondly, Jesus was not ashamed to display human emotions. You know, Jesus could have restrained his tears. After all, he knew that he would soon raise Lazarus from the dead. Besides, his tears could have been misinterpreted as weakness You know, men don't cry. Some people have that philosophy. And it could be misinterpreted as weakness or frustration on some part. That's what the Jews surmised in verse 37. But Jesus did not worry about that. He was completely human, without a sin nature. And His tears show that it's not wrong to express our feelings as long as our hearts are submissive to God. Now, the New Testament states three times that Jesus wept. It gives it here, then in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41, when he wept over Jerusalem's unbelief. It also speaks of it in Hebrews 5 and verse 7, uh, and also in the Garden of Gethsemane. But never that he laughed. Isn't that interesting? You think Jesus laughed? I think he probably did, but it never states that. In the scriptures maybe you could have a case for that in luke 10 21 where it says jesus rejoiced in spirit that could have been interpreted as a laugh but we're never told that he laughed it's, i think it's worth noting that john uses a different word verse 33 for weeping to describe the loud wailing of mary and the mourners than the word verse in verse 35 where it says jesus wept Jesus wept, but he was not wailing in despair. In the words of Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, believers are to grieve, but not as those who have no hope. It's interesting also that while the shortest verse in the English Bible here is John 11.35, Jesus wept, I understand the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament is 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice evermore. You know, those verses are not contradictory. As Paul put it, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that do weep. Jesus entered into sorrow of His sisters as we become more like our Savior. We should not become unemotional, but rather people who express godly sorrow. So Jesus was not ashamed to display human emotions. Thirdly, Jesus motivates all, uh, Jesus' love motivates all his actions. In verse 36, we read Jesus, uh, the response to Jesus weeping. It says, There then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And they were right, because John has previously underscored Jesus' love for Martha and Mary and Lazarus. In fact, Jesus' love for these dear friends was the reason he had stayed two days longer where he was, allowing Lazarus to die, according to verse 6. And love always seeks the highest good for the one loved, and the highest good for anyone is that he or she gets a greater vision of God's glory. And so they will grow in their faith. And both of these aims are behind Jesus' delay in going to Bethany. But some of the Jews questioned both Jesus' love and His power, when they said in verse 37, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should have died? They couldn't reconcile His love and His power with His his, uh, Lazarus' death. In a time of severe trials, the enemy may whisper to you, You know what? God must not love you or He isn't able to prevent the trials that you're going through. So you shouldn't trust Him. Well, that's an argument often used by the atheist. But at such times, we should never interpret God's love by our difficult circumstances, but rather interpret your circumstances by His love. He could have prevented your trial. But He will never allow a trial in your life without a need on your part and a purpose of love on His part. And so Christ is the Master. And He calls you to come to Him and to learn from Him in your trials. And the Master who calls us to Himself is fully God and fully man. thus He can help us in our trials. And finally, we need to come to the Master quickly and submissively. Martha's words to Mary in verse 28 are the Lord's words for us when we're hurting. The Master is come and calleth, and calleth for thee. Notice here, Jesus is always present and waiting. Now, Jesus was there, but Mary had to get up and go to Him. And even though you may not feel his presence, he is always present and he's always available to give grace if you go to him with your trials. And then secondly, we need to come to Jesus just as we are. Mary went immediately when she heard that the master was there and calling for her. She didn't say, I've been crying for four days. My mascara is streaked. My eyes are red and swollen. I can't see Jesus in this state. I need to go make myself presentable. That's not Mary. And often we kind of do that with the Lord spiritually, don't we? I got to get things straightened out before I go to the Lord. Listen, going to the Lord gets things straightened out. When we're in the midst of a trial or a problem, we can't say, I can't go to the Lord until I get myself together. I'll wait until I'm calmer. I'm more in control of my emotions. But grace is for the undeserving, not the deserving. So we go to Jesus with our tears and He'll weep with you. If you've never come to Christ for salvation, the only way you can come is just as you are. If you try to clean up your life, make yourself more presentable to him, you don't understand you don't understand his grace. As the old hymn says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. So Jesus is always present and he's waiting and we need to come to him just as we are and we need to come to Jesus quickly. Mary arose quickly and came to Him. She had friends at her side who were consoling her. She could have thought, well, what will they think if I leave them and go to Jesus? Or she could have thought that their consolations were enough. But as comforting as our friends may be at times... There is really no substitute for the master who calls us to himself. So don't delay. Go to Jesus quickly. The sooner we go, the sooner we'll experience his comfort and compassion. And then finally, come to Jesus' feet. Mary went and fell at Jesus' feet. It says here in verse 32. Every time we encounter Mary in the Gospels, it seems that she is at Jesus' feet. Luke ten thirty nine, she was at Jesus' feet and heard his word. In our text, she pours out her grief at Jesus' feet. In the next chapter in John chapter twelve, and verse three, we'll find her anointing Jesus' feet with the expensive ointment, drying them with her hair as she prepared him for his burial. And I think in this she's an example for us. First of all, we need to learn God's Word about Jesus, and then you'll know Him so that you can take your sorrows to Him in a time of grief, and that will lead you to worship Him as one who died for your sins. A mission administrator from the United States was visiting a school in Kenya where he was listening as teenage girls shared how they had been blessed by hearing the Bible in their own language. One girl testified that the verse that had the greatest impact on her was Matthew 5.4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Another said the verse that had the greatest impact on her was John 11.35, Jesus wept. She said that when she wept at night, she knew that Jesus was weeping with her. This mission administrator wondered why these two girls were mourning and weeping. And he thought that maybe they had chosen these verses to share because they were short, they were easy to remember. But the school's teacher leaned over and whispered to him that both of these girls had lost their parents to AIDS. And Jesus' compassion comforted them in their loss. You know, in the same way, the Master calls us to come to Him with our tears. He cares for you. And He will cry with you. We need to come to Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank You for Your compassion